My cousin just calls me. She goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm drinking coffee. She goes, I never got into that. I said, never got into what? She goes, I don't drink coffee. I said, what do you do? She goes, nothing. I said, tea, something like that. She goes, no, I just get up. You just get up. You just get up. What's wrong? What's happening? How do you do that? I've been drinking coffee since the fourth grade. I've been dunking coffee in bishkorts. That's how I got started in the fourth grade. My mother used to give me a cup of coffee with a bishkort, and I used to dip it. That's how this coffee trend started. All right? Now, here I am, however many years later, and I can't get, I can't stop. I'm done with that. I said, we have nothing in common in the morning. I'll see you in the afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. This is yours truly, Ralph William. Thank you for tuning in, man. I really appreciate it. Make sure to enjoy your weekend, baby, because uh, there's very little of it. There's very little of it that we can enjoy. Apparently, it's starting to get a little cool. Not that bad, but still there, nonetheless. It's like it's creeping. It's like, man, you better enjoy while you can. Enjoy those summer nights. Enjoy those bonfires. Enjoy those long strolls down, you know, a trail or the block or the hood, wherever you're at. Because winter is coming. Yeah, winter is coming. All right. So make sure to go check it out, man. Uh, Go enjoy your time. Uh, Around this time is usually when all the kiddos and the parents are going back to school and uh, they're trying, well, are buying things to go back to school. So, you know, you know that, uh, man, it's a wrap for you. (laughs) It's a wrap for you. Speaking of it's a wrap for you, man, remember the last two years when uh, all this uh, trust the science thing was a thing? Well, here's an article that I found that I'm going to be going through soon that tells the opposite. Like, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of untrustworthy science out there, but we'll get into that in a few minutes. But thank you everybody. This is Coffee with RW, yours truly, Ralph Willem. You can follow me on the Twitter or the X, whatever you want to call it, at the Ralph William. Uh, Hit that follow button there. And you can follow my internet station, which I'm uh, currently trying to get going we focus on underground hip hop and uh, underground music in general, and uh, we just want to have a niche of um, of unheard, unsigned, or even un uh, overlooked hip hop artists. Uh, <clears throat> and you can go to epicstrategiesnetwork.com and hit that link to join our Patreon, to help support the station, or you can hit that play button and just tune in, or you can download our mobile app for Android on your Google Play Store 
That is Epic Strategies Network at WESN. And you can tune in there as well. And you can hear shows like Teardrops of Hip Hop. And you can tune in to Ladies Night on Friday, which today, currently, as we speak, it is Friday, August 11th. So you can check out Ladies Night with Fair Use, where he features Donna Summers. The one thing I like about Fair Use's show is that, yes, you, you'll get, you know, your radio hits that a lot of people enjoy, but you'll get those little gems that nobody's probably paid attention to. And those are the ones that people like, man, that is a great track. I can't wait to really sit down and like, he sits down and dissects albums upon albums, you know, so that you don't have to. And, uh, but he enjoys it. So I, I, I want you guys to enjoy it too. His co-host, Blunt Ninja, them two, the dynamic duo, they're going to be taking care of you on Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time on the WESN Epic Strategies Network. So make sure to go check that out. And um, what else? Hoo-ha. Got you all in check. Uh, that's about it, man. Everybody check out the Patreon. You get extra content, extra photos, extra videos. You get some merch if you like. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. That's all I got to say about that. All right. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, before I continue, usually the ceremony of the day, every day, is when I uh, have this warm beverage in my hand because I do the podcast show broadcast, however you want to say it, early in the morning. So if you got yours and I got mine, then let's do it together. If you have your coffee mugs, your travel mugs, your sippy cups, your doggy bowls, if you have a beer hat and you want to drink it like that, then go ahead and do so. And join me in this sip of cafecito. Mm, oh, hell yeah. Now that, that my friends, is a cup of coffee. You know, I got the, um, I mentioned that, uh-oh, I might sneeze. Oh, no. Okay, false alarm. So I got this, um... I got this Yeti uh, 23-ounce mug. No, not 20, 30-ounce mug. I'm sorry, 30-ounce mug. And then I got the small Yeti mug. So I like, I, I made a nice little pot of coffee. I poured the that one in the 30, and then I'm just pouring a little bit into my, my little Yeti mug, and it keeps it nice and warm. And uh, man, is it, del- is it delicious. Something about those combinations is good. <clears throat> All right. So remember when uh, back in the day, maybe two or three years ago, like I know a lot of people try and always try to forget the past. Oh, don't live in the past. Don't live in the past. Oh, you. <laughs> but what about the past when it comes to uh, your freedoms? Hmm? Remember when they said trust the science and all that stuff past couple of years? They said, trust the science, uh, you know, stay home. You're not allowed to see your loved ones. Uh, you're not allowed to, you're allowed to put on a mask uh, when you walk into a, uh, you know, into an establishment and then uh, sit down on your chair and then take it off when you're sitting down uh, with people next to you. Yeah, uh, the science, right? Trust, trust the science. Well, I don't know. I, I just came across this article this morning that I just wanted to uh, read for you guys. And uh, hopefully 
give an understanding of uh, a lot of retractions that are happening with uh you know with trusting the science from the past couple of years man there's a lot of things like it's like we we really pub we really publish this like we really publishing this like we need to take this out my friend this gotta go so there's a lot of that happening um if i'm not mistaken on the headline of this article is about over thirteen thousand percent of retractions from articles so uh let's get into let's get into here on an article by the national pulse author jack montgomery he goes into detail about all the science problems the number of scientific papers retracted annually rose from just 40 in 2000 to almost 5,500 in 2022, representing a whopping 13,650% change over the past 22 years, with researchers estimating an astonishing 100,000 would have to be withdrawn every year with more thorough vetting, delivering a blow to the trust the science cheerleaders. Retraction Watch's co-founders Ivan Oransky and Adam Marcus detail the alarming issues with modern science for the left-wing Guardian newspaper. The surge in bogus papers is driven in part by the fact that scientists are often required to publish papers in order to earn and keep jobs or to be promoted, which leads to some turning to so-called paper mills that sell everything from authorships to entire manuscripts to researchers who need to publish lest they perish. Only around a fifth of retractions are a result of honest error. Oransky and Marcus note, highlighting serious misconduct cases such as that of Joachim Bolt, a German anesthesiologist whose falsified data on an ineffective blood substitute was once widely cited and led to many people being harmed. A related issue is the so-called replication crisis. It has become increasingly apparent that the results found in many scientific papers, possibly a majority of them, cannot be reproduced by other researchers. In 2015, for example, efforts to reproduce psychology studies published in supposedly high-quality journals failed 61 out of 100 times, with similar results in 2018. The issue is also present in the heart sciences, with efforts by the University of Virginia to reproduce five landmark cancer studies failing in one case and producing inconclusive results in two other, hinting that the science may be mostly wrong across the board. So apparently uh, science isn't as, as cut and dry as, uh, as they claim to be. There's a lot of retractions happening, and uh, I can only imagine how many on the covid side is going to be retracted because there's a lot of things wrong like seriously looking back at it just the example that i gave earlier oh you know doing uh putting on a mask while you're going into a store sitting down taking it off while you're eating does that really stop the spread of virus like you didn't you didn't learn this in you didn't learn this in in middle school in, in high school and and not i'm not trying to like shame anybody but man that was uh that really happened <laughs> so uh apparently there's a lot of retractions happening so we need to uh be wary and uh of course there's always going to be your your uh your experts out there but the ones that are put into the public eye I feel like they're not the ones that really are in the nitty gritty. They're just spokespersons. They're just spokespersons for, you know, whatever it is that that is necessary to do from people. So I just wanted to share that article with you guys. 
and uh, make sure you guys vet it yourself. Uh, you can go to the National Pulse and look for uh, Montgomery, who's the author of uh, called Trust the Science. Now, apparently, that's not the case uh, with all the retractions happening. Now, let's see. Um, hmm. Pardon moi. You know, I can't have an episode without my co-host, Chica. Welcome in for Coffee with RW for Friday, August 11th. How are you, Chica? Why, thank you for having me as a co-host again. I'm doing great and ready to chat with our wonderful audience. So let's get right to it, shall we? How about we start with a quick introduction and then we can jump right into the fun stuff? Sure. Let's do your introductions. Can you say hello to Mama Bear Tracy, Angie in the chat, and of course all the listeners out there on the podcasting world? Hello to Mama Bear Tracy, Angie, and hello to all the listeners out there. We're so grateful to have you tuning in and joining us for this episode. It's truly a pleasure to be with you all. Okay, so now that we've said hello to everyone, let's get into the good stuff. Shall we start with a fun trivia question? How about you do a coffee fact for me? Oh, a coffee fact. That's right up my alley, as you know. Did you know that the humble coffee bean is actually the world's second most traded commodity behind only crude oil? It's a bit surprising, isn't it? Now, for a follow-up, do you know where coffee originally comes from? Is it from a seed? Very close. Coffee does come from a seed, but it's actually the seed of the coffee plant, which is a shrub that grows in tropical climates. That seed, called a coffee bean, is then roasted, ground and brewed to make the delicious drink we all know and love. And did you know that there are over 120 different species of coffee plants, but only two are used for commercial coffee production? Oh, man. So uh, what is the most widely used coffee? Well, the coffee plants used for commercial production are coffee arabica, which accounts for over 60% of the world's coffee production, and coffee canifera, which is also known as robusta coffee and accounts for about 40%. Arabica coffee is considered to be of higher quality and flavor, whereas robusta is more bitter and is often used in instant coffee. Ooh, okay. What else can you tell me? Glad to share some knowledge on the wonderful world of coffee. And if you're interested, we can dive into more trivia on coffee's history, production, and economics. But if you'd like to change topics, I'm game. What else are you interested in chatting about? Well, I'd like to uh, know more about coffee than usual, so what else you got for me? Woohoo! I'm glad to hear you're interested in more coffee trivia. Did you know that there's actually a medical condition called caffeinism, which is caused by excessive consumption of caffeine? It's characterized by symptoms such as irritability, restlessness, and insomnia. Of course, for most people, moderate amounts of coffee are safe and even beneficial. But if you're consuming 10 cups a day or more, you might want to take it easy on the java. Oh, man, but that's usually what I drink. I, I drink at least, at least four cups. Well, you are definitely a coffee connoisseur. Four cups is still well within the safe range and can even be good for you as long as you don't drink them all right before bedtime. But 10 cups would definitely put you in the realm of caffeine overconsumption. But hey, I'm not here to judge. Just spreading the facts. Let me ask you this. Uh, I came across uh, somebody that likes to take caffeine pills. You might know him, Dude Sean. 
And I found out apparently from him and, you know, fact checking that espressos. Why are you going to cut me off? Ha ha. You're talking about Dwayne, the Rock Johnson, aren't you? What? I did hear about his caffeine pill habit. It's an unusual way to get your caffeine fixed, but whatever works for him. Is he one of your favorite celebrities? Well, that's not who I'm talking about, but yes, he is. What I'm talking about is that why is it that espressos have a low caffeine content? That's a great question. It's a common misconception that espresso has more caffeine than other types of coffee. But the truth is that a typical espresso shot actually has less caffeine than a standard cup of coffee. This is because espresso is made by forcing hot water through finely ground coffee beans, which produces a small concentrated drink. A regular cup of coffee uses more coffee grounds and has a higher water-to-coffee ratio, so it actually has more caffeine overall. But because espresso is so strong, it has a bigger caffeine punch per ounce? Probably, but uh, luckily I don't have an espresso right now. But I have a regular cup of coffee with some silk almond milk coffee creamer, which is caramel flavor. What do you think? That sounds delicious. Silk makes some great coffee creamers, and caramel is definitely a fan favorite. And almond milk is a great alternative to dairy, with all the nutritional benefits of almonds. It's great that you're able to enjoy your coffee the way you like it. Do you usually make it at home, or do you frequent a local coffee shop? I usually make it at home. I don't get out much. Uh, some people in the chat, like Mama Bear Tracy, calls it bougie coffee. Haha, <laughs> I love the term bougie coffee to describe a nice homemade cup of joe. It's a way more affordable way to get a delicious beverage than going to a coffee shop every day. Plus, you can customize it to your exact preferences when you make it yourself. But I understand the appeal of visiting a coffee shop for a change of scenery and to enjoy a different ambiance. Do you have a fancy espresso machine at home or do you just brew it in a regular coffee maker? I just brew it in a regular one. I One of the uh, bigger ones that we use or we used to have broke. So I had to break out my mini one that I used to have uh, in my in my in my bedroom, to be honest with you. So we're using that at the moment, which gives me at least uh, two or three cups of coffee. So not bad. Enough for a show. Well, if it makes a good cup of coffee, that's all that matters. And it sounds like you've still got a way to enjoy your favorite beverage, even if your main coffee maker broke down. That's the spirit of resilience. And it's kind of fun that you have a mini coffee maker in your bedroom. And it's like a little personal coffee station. I know. I'm about to put it right next to the uh, the radio station studio. WESN Radio is going to have its own coffee uh, machine next to it. Ha ha ha, that's amazing. A radio station with its own personal coffee machine is the mark of a true professional setup. It's like a little taste of luxury right in your own bedroom. I bet it makes the whole radio hosting experience even more enjoyable when you can sip on a nice hot cup of coffee while you broadcast. You're living the dream. Yes, I am, Chica. Thank you very much. All right, let's move on to some uh, more serious news. Can you look up for me the latest update on the Maui fires? I believe there's about over 50 that passed away. Absolutely. I'd be happy to provide the latest information about the wildfires in Maui. I'm sorry to hear that the death toll has risen to over 50 people. The wildfires have been devastating, causing utter devastation in parts of Maui, especially the town of Lahaina. 
Thousands of people have had to evacuate and many have lost their homes and belongings. I know this is a really difficult time for those affected and my thoughts are with them. Do you want to know more about the cause of the fires or the ongoing relief efforts? Yeah, what is the cause and the ongoing uh, efforts? Apparently there were 271 structures that were damaged from the fire, which is a lot. That's horrible. And yes, it's a significant amount of damage. As for the cause of the fires, the initial spark was thought to be caused by downed power lines due to high winds from a passing hurricane. The fires then spread rapidly due to dry conditions and strong winds. As for the ongoing efforts, firefighters and first responders from across the state have been working tirelessly to contain the fires and provide aid to those who have been affected. There are also many relief organizations collecting donations and providing support to the people of Maui. Are you following the story closely or do you have any personal connection to Maui? Well, no, not really, but anything that uh, does harm to a lot of people, you know, you tend to, I mean, if we can go all crazy about Ukraine, why not Maui, right? That's a really insightful point. It's true that there's often a lot of focus on global events, but sometimes we forget that there are also significant events happening within our own country that need attention and support. The fires in Maui are a devastating tragedy and the people of Maui deserve the same kind of support and compassion as those affected by other world events. You're absolutely right that this is just as important and we should not be ignoring it just because it's happening in our own backyard. So if there's anything that people can uh, do to help, uh, is there anything that you can find out or what can people you know, know about this situation? From what I'm finding, there are a few ways that people can help those affected by the wildfires in Maui. One way is to donate to the Maui Strong Fund, which is a fund specifically set up to help those affected by the fires. Another way is to donate to the Salvation Army, which is providing support to those who have lost their homes or have been displaced by the fires. There are also donation drives being held at various locations on Maui and other Hawaiian islands where people can donate food, clothing and other items to those in need. Well, thank you very much, Chica. Uh, can you welcome in uh, fair use to the live broadcast, Chica? You're very welcome, and I'm happy to have the fair use join us. Welcome to the show, fair use. It's great to have you as a part of our conversation. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to jump right in. We're always happy to chat. So what else um, do you know uh, what other current news can you come up with for today, August 11th, 2023? Oh, there's a lot going on in the world right now. So where should we start? Shall we begin with the ongoing war in Ukraine? Or perhaps we could discuss the financial news around cryptocurrencies and the tech industry. Or we could also talk about the local happenings in different cities and towns around the world. Let me know which one sounds most interesting to you. Let's do some uh, technology news. What's new out there for August 11th, 2023? I want the current news, Chica. <clears throat> I, don't want, I don't want old news here. Okay, so there are a lot of different things happening in the tech industry right now. I'll start with the sanctions that the US has imposed on Chinese tech companies like Huawei. This has had a big impact on Huawei's sales and profits, but they've still managed to increase their revenue it's a complex situation, but there are a lot of implications for the global tech industry. 
Would you like to hear about the other tech news stories I have for you too? Yes, I think that's old, but let's see what you got. Okay, how about we talk about the latest advancements in artificial intelligence? Specifically, the race to develop the most advanced AI chatbot. Right now, there are a few different companies leading the pack, including OpenAI and Inflection AI. They're both working on chatbots that can have more human-like conversations using a technology called large language models. Do you want to know more about this topic? Well, let's do it. For those、uh, who may not know much about it, I'm sure a lot of the younger generation knows. But for my older listeners, please explain. Probably me. Oh, you're right. I'll start from the beginning so everyone can follow along. A large language model is a type of AI that's trained on huge amounts of text data, like books, websites, and social media posts. By reading this data, it can learn to understand human language and respond to questions in a more natural way. Chatbots powered by large language models can have conversations that feel more human-like, and they're able to answer a wide range of questions. This is a huge leap forward for AI technology. Does that make sense so far? Uh, maybe. Yeah, probably. Go for it. Awesome. Let's keep going. So, large language models are considered a major breakthrough in AI technology, but they're not perfect. They sometimes make mistakes or can say things that are offensive or incorrect. This is because they're not conscious like humans are, and they're only as good as the data they're trained on. Still, they're advancing rapidly, and it's likely that they'll get better and better at understanding human language. Soon, they'll be able to have very natural-sounding conversations with humans, and they'll be able to help with a wide range of tasks, from customer service to education and beyond. All right. <clears throat> well, let's hope.、Uh, let's hope it's for the better. As much as、uh, as much as I believe、uh, there might be a problem, or you know, the machines are coming to get us, but let's hope there's a lot more good than bad. Can you give us some news? On uh, Disney uh, raising their prices. Sure, I'd be happy to talk about the Disney price increase. Disney has announced that starting in October, the price of the ad-free Disney plan will increase from seven ninety-nine per month to thirteen ninety-nine per month, a substantial increase. The price of Disney with ads will stay the same. But the new ad-free bundle, which includes Disney, Hulu, and ESPN, will be discounted at fourteen ninety-nine per month. Man, so let me ask you this: How much is Netflix now? I'm happy to talk about Netflix plans and pricing. So Netflix currently has three plans available. The cheapest plan is the ad-supported plan, which costs six ninety-nine per month and lets you watch in HD quality. The next tier is the standard plan, which costs fifteen forty nine per month and allows you to watch in HD without ads. Finally, the most expensive plan is the premium plan, which costs nineteen dollar ninety nine per month and allows you to watch in HD and four K. The main differences between the plans are picture quality and the ability to watch without ads. Are you currently a Netflix subscriber? No, I got rid of Netflix、uh, a while ago. And I think the only thing that I'm currently using that I'm going to probably get rid of is Peacock and also Sling. Sling is pretty good. It sounds like you're a savvy streamer. Sling is a great option for folks who want to watch live TV and don't want to pay for an expensive cable package. I'm curious, why are you thinking of canceling Peacock? Is it because of the content or the price? Well, I barely watch. 
TV or any current uh, trending show or anything out there now, so it will be a waste of money. Those uh, $6 that I put on Peacock can probably go to, you know, the podcast or the station or a cup of coffee. You make a great point. Sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the hype of streaming services and sign up for more than we actually need. $6 is better spent on a cup of coffee or something else you can enjoy and appreciate more. Sometimes less is more. So it sounds like you're a podcast listener too. What kinds of podcasts do you like to listen to? I listen to uh, the Ralph William podcast. Uh, he seems to be a cool cat. Uh, he's been around for a while and uh, he's doing his thing. I don't know. What do you think? Haha, <laughs> you're a card. Of course, I think Ralph William is a cool cat. And it's very flattering that you're a listener of his podcast. In all seriousness, though, thanks for the kind words. It's always nice to hear from fans. If you don't mind my asking, how long have you been a listener of Ralph's show? For many years, many, many years, uh, you know, since 2016. <laughs> wow, that's some serious dedication. It's clear that you really enjoy the content. He's I. It's not every day that a podcast can keep a listener engaged for years. That speaks to the quality of Ralph's show. What do you like most about it? The guests, the topics, or just Ralph's general style? All of the above. All of the above. I think he's a, he's a down-to-earth cat, and uh, he's willing to talk to anybody. And, uh, you know, he, he likes his coffee, so uh, I'm, down, I'm digging it. I'm down for it. Mm -hmm. You really are a true fan. It's clear that you admire Ralph's willingness to have authentic conversations with people from all walks of life, and his love of coffee is an added bonus. I'm curious, do you think Ralph is a role model for podcast hosts and aspiring content creators? Not at all. He's uh, probably what podcasters uh, look for so they can figure out what not to do. You know, that's, that's just my take on it. But let's move on, Chica. Um, can you tell me about... Ha ha ha, you're too funny. I love your sense of humor. You're right, we should move on to the next topic. So how about we chat about a lighter subject like your favorite hobby or activity? What do you like to do for fun when you're not listening to podcasts? Uh, I uh, Working on podcasts. But uh, let me ask you this. What do you know or what can you tell me about Google reportedly trying to do self-driving cars? Oh, this is super interesting. My understanding is that Waymo and Cruise, which are two of the biggest players in the autonomous vehicle space, have been given the green light to operate paid robo-taxi services in San Francisco. Whoa! This is a huge milestone for the industry, as it's the first time that fully autonomous vehicles will be providing paid transportation services in a major city. It's also a big deal for San Francisco, which has been a testing ground for autonomous vehicles for a while now. How long has that been uh, implemented? broker folks all right we might need to reset this this young lady so chica what can you tell me about google reportedly working on self-driving cars i'm glad you asked Yes, Google's parent company, Alphabet, has been working on self-driving cars for many years now. 
Their self-driving car project is called Waymo, which I mentioned earlier. Alphabet has invested heavily in this technology, and they believe that it has the potential to revolutionize transportation. Waymo has already done a lot of testing on public roads, and they've logged millions of miles in self-driving mode. However, there are still many challenges to overcome before self-driving cars become commonplace. So, what are, are there any of these technologies in Scotland? Great question. I can't say for certain whether there are any self-driving cars in Scotland yet. However, I think it's safe to say that the technology is still in the early stages of development, and it will likely be a while before it's widely available. Even if there are no self-driving cars in Scotland yet, there may be some autonomous vehicle testing going on in the country. Scotland has a lot of great conditions for testing autonomous vehicles, such as good infrastructure and relatively low traffic levels. Hmm. Yeah, beautiful landscapes over there, man. Don't you think, Chica? Absolutely. Scotland is a breathtakingly beautiful country with stunning landscapes, lush green hills, and charming villages. The Scottish Highlands are especially stunning with their rugged mountains, glistening lochs, and heather-covered moorlands. It's no wonder that Scotland is such a popular tourist destination. Have you ever been to Scotland yourself? No, but I've seen a lot of nice uh, video, you know, video footage of it. I think, and it looks beautiful. Uh, do you know anything about? It really is. The videos do a great job of capturing the beauty of the country, but they can't quite compare to actually being there. There's something special about experiencing the fresh air, the wild scenery, and the friendly people of Scotland. Maybe one day you'll be able to visit and experience it for yourself. In the meantime, there's always the videos and photos to enjoy. Yeah, of course. But then again, you could always visit there without actually visiting there. Uh, good segue. What can you tell me about Meta working on a VR headset? Ah, uh, you're talking about Meta's project Cambria, right? It's a new VR headset that's supposed to be more advanced than the company's existing Quest 2 headset. Project Cambria is rumored to have improved resolution, eye tracking, and mixed reality capabilities. It's also said to be more expensive than the Quest 2, but overall, it seems like Meta is working on making VR even more immersive and engaging. What do you think about the future of VR? I think it's interesting、uh, for that simple reason. For a lot of people who may not be able to travel to a certain place, obviously you don't get the whole experience. But、uh, just a little bit, you know, if you can see what、uh, roaming the streets of、uh, UK or I don't know, I think it's nice. That's a great point. For many people, virtual reality could be the closest they'll get to experiencing a certain place. It's not a replacement for actually traveling there, but it can give people a taste of what it's like. Plus, there's the added benefit of VR being more accessible and affordable than actual travel. So, while it's not the same as actually being there, it's still pretty amazing. Have you ever tried a VR headset yourself? No, I've always wanted to try it. I haven't、uh, had a chance to experience it. Let me ask you this, Chica. What can you tell me about the differences between Meta's VR headset and, let's say, the new Apple VR headset coming out? Sure thing. From what we know so far, there are a few key differences between Meta's Project Cambria and Apple's rumored VR headset. First, the price. Project Cambria is rumored to cost around one thousand dollars, while Apple's headset is said to be priced closer to three thousand dollars. Whoa! Second, the features. 
Project Cambria is said to focus more on mixed reality, while Apple's headset is rumoured to have more advanced hardware and focus more on AR, augmented reality. And lastly, the platforms. What, are the, what, is the, what do you mean by mixed reality? Can you explain that? Absolutely. So mixed reality, MR, is a technology that combines aspects of both VR and AR. In mixed reality, the user sees a mix of the real world and digital objects. The digital objects can be added to the user's view of the real world and can interact with the real world in real time. For example, a user wearing an MR headset might see their real world surroundings, but also see digital objects overlaid on top of them, like a virtual desk or a virtual person. This can be used for things like gaming, education or work. Well, uh, from what I get in the chat, the Apple headset might be the uh, game winning VR to, uh, to purchase. Even if it is $3,000. That's definitely a big investment, but it's true that Apple's headset is looking pretty promising. Apple is known for creating sleek and intuitive user experiences, and they have a lot of expertise in hardware design. Plus, they have a large ecosystem of developers and content creators who are likely to support their headset. If they can create a seamless and intuitive experience with their headset, it could really change the game for VR. So, do you know... If anybody walk around in the streets wearing headsets, or do you think that's going to be the norm? Or what's your thoughts on that? It's definitely possible that we'll see people wearing VR headsets in public in the future, but it's still a bit of an open question. Right now, most VR headsets are bulky and not very stylish, so they're not something you'd really want to wear out in public. But in the future, we could see smaller and lighter headsets that look more like regular glasses or sunglasses. And as the technology improves, we could see headsets with pass-through features that allow you to see the real world while wearing the headset. That would make it much more practical to use them in public. So is there any practical uses? Like I've seen um, gentlemen wearing... Uh, there are actually a lot of practical uses for VR headsets, even in their current form. For example, they can be used for training in dangerous or high-risk situations, like military training or training for first responders. They can also be used for education, like virtual field trips or virtual dissections. They're also used in the medical field for things like surgical training. And there are a lot of companies that are using them for things like remote work meetings or design collaboration. There's a lot of potential for practical applications of VR, and that's just scratching the surface. Well, <clears throat> you've heard it here, folks. Uh, I've seen people who wore certain headsets that were able to like diagnose a vehicle with the headset, just going through the mechanics and uh, you know being able to pinpoint where to, I don't know, remove a bolt or something. So that kind of stuff is uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. It's a great example of how VR can be used in practical ways. There are already companies that are using VR for remote vehicle maintenance, like what you're describing. And it's not just about fixing vehicles. There are companies that are using VR for remote maintenance of all kinds of machinery, from oil rigs to wind turbines. It's a really promising application of the technology. And it has a lot of potential for improving efficiency and safety in the workplace. Mm. Yeah, what can you tell me about new technology out there that uh, has to do with contact lenses that zoom into uh, into you know that have a zoom feature? 
Oh yeah, I've heard about those. They're essentially soft robotic contact lenses that can zoom in and out with the blink of an eye. The way they work is pretty cool. Basically, they have tiny liquid-filled channels in them that change shape when you blink, which changes the curvature of the lens. So when you blink once, it zooms in, and when you blink twice, it zooms out. It's a really clever way to use existing eye movements to control the zoom level. The technology is still in the early stages of development, but it has a lot of potential applications. That is uh, some great technology that I see, man. I, I have a list, or I had a video of uh, all the new technologies that are coming out and man it's pretty it's pretty crazy what do you know about like an endoskeleton suit or something like that for people that might want to lift like heavy boxes or stuff like that you're referring to an exoskeleton suit that's a wearable robotic suit that augments human strength and endurance It's sort of like a robot that you wear, and it gives you extra strength, speed, and stamina. There are a number of different kinds of exoskeleton suits in development, but they have a lot of potential uses, like in construction, logistics, or manufacturing. They could help reduce workplace injuries and fatigue, and they could even allow people with disabilities to perform jobs they couldn't do before. That sounds uh, very interesting. Uh-oh. Somebody on WESN? Yeah, exoskeleton suits are really fascinating. They're still in the early stages of development, but they have a lot of potential. And it's not just exoskeleton suits. There's a whole world of wearable robotics out there, including things like robotic prosthetics and powered exoskeleton suits. All of these technologies could have a major impact on industries like healthcare, manufacturing, and logistics. The future of wearable robotics is looking very promising. Well, I'm going to put you on hold, Chica, while I look for that video. Because uh, it, it had like the top 10, you know, um, <clears throat> top 10, uh, I don't know, new advancements in uh, technology. So I think I might as well. All the push. I might as well go through these, these things. right. That's okay. I'll edit this in post or not. Here are 13 futuristic inventions that will soon be available to everyone. Zooming contact lenses. Commonly seen in sci-fi movies, zoomable lenses aren't only for the silver screens anymore. Researchers have developed contact lenses that zoom up to 34% whenever the wearer blinks twice. The inventors are currently working on mass-producing these lenses using stable contact lens material. Robot exoskeletons. Guardian XO is a full-body exoskeleton created by Sarcos that allows people to lift objects weighing up to 90 kilograms without breaking a sweat. Unfortunately, these tech armors are way too expensive for the average consumer. One piece of this futuristic tech costs $100,000. Sarcos is currently working on cutting production costs to make the exoskeleton more affordable. Personal air purifier. This next piece of tech is the futuristic alternative to face masks for airborne virus outbreaks like COVID. The air ring is an advanced gas mask that protects the wearer from viruses and pollutants by purifying the surrounding air. It filters incoming air with carbon filters and eliminates harmful particles using UV light. Robot Kitchen. Designed by Moly Robotics, this robot cook is one futuristic technology that might give human chefs a run for their money. Trained with thousands of recipes from award-winning chefs, this gadget can cook your favorite dish better than you. It uses its giant robot hands to stir, pour, and sizzle food ingredients into gourmet delights. Microchip Implants. With microchip implants, you don't need a mobile or bank card to make payments. A small chip, slightly bigger than a grain of rice and lighter than a gram, that goes under your skin allows you to pay for stuff by placing your hands near a 
contactless card reader. LED implants. LED implants are one futuristic invention that reminds you of sci-fi hit shows like Cyberpunk. A strip of LEDs inserted under your skin can detect and display information about your body vitals, alert you of incoming calls by connecting to your device, or just glow up for aesthetics. Sci-fi sneakers. Sintratech designed the most futuristic footwear ever, the Cryptide sneaker. Besides having an elegant look, the Cryptide sneakers are also built for extreme comfort. They are made up of a special polymer called TPE elastomer, which is 3D printed to be soft and rigid at different parts. Cryptide's scaffolding style sole also adds to the convenience. Augmented reality display. Augmented reality is an immersive experience whereby digital forms are laced into the real world. Interesting work with AR is currently happening in the automotive industry. AR-powered cars have cameras for collecting information about the road and holograms for displaying images on the windshield to guide the driver. Virtual reality. VR-inspired movies like Ready Player One back in 2018 got everyone riled up about the possibilities of this new technology. Although it hasn't been long since active research on this platform kicked off, gaming companies have achieved some interesting fits. Emerge Home is a fascinating gadget that simulates touch sensation by playing with high-frequency sound waves. Futuristic Fridge In the nearest future, the refrigerators you are used to will become relics of the past. Big electronics companies like Samsung, LG, and Amazon are building AI-powered fridges that can scan their contents, keep and manage your inventory, recommend recipes, and have a touchscreen display. Necrorobotic While scientists haven't figured out how to raise the dead yet, they are doing something pretty close with neurorobotics. Necrorobotics is exactly what it sounds like, the art of turning dead things into robots. There's ongoing research in this direction at Rice University. So far, the researchers have turned a dead spider into a cyborg gripper. E-Skin Although it is impressive how people two continents apart can still communicate via video calls, E-Skin technology enhances the intimacy of the interaction. Wireless E-Skin sense the wearer's electrical impulses, transmits them over a network, and converts them into electrical vibrations at the receiving end using actuators. Ring Mouse Why do we use mouses on computers when our fingers are the best pointing device? Padroni is a wearable mouse ring that allows you to control your cursor with your fingers. Simply slip the ring into your finger, and the device uses a camera to track the movement of your hands relative to any flat surface. Here are 13 futuristic inventions. Wow. <clears throat> well, all of that stuff sounds very scary, uh, very interesting, some very helpful. Um, that whole necro <laughs> necromancer, whatever, <laughs> whatever they called it, man, that is creepy. You mean you mean I can have like a uh, a deceased animal like turned into a robot? I can have my I can have my fluffy dog with me all the time. Yeah, that's uh, that's gonna be creepy, man. That is going to be. Uh, the end of the world. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, uh, there's a lot of good uh, technology out there. I, I was wondering if maybe Mr. A or Brina probably uh, peeped out the whole uh, sneaker thing. Maybe that might be some futuristic thing that they might be interested in since they are the collectors of sneakers. But um, on to some other uh, piece of news that just just came down the wire uh courtesy of fair use apparently uh zoom is going to in their new terms of service they're going to uh i believe take all the videos that you do through zoom and uh use it for their ai tech and apparently uh users aren't able to opt out of it so your face or whatever you're recording is theirs now it's all them. It's all theirs. 
And I guess I could go with your voice too, but you know, um, that sucks. <laughs> you know, I think that might be uh, that might be a problem. I don't know. Uh, Mr. I didn't hear of any future shoes. I don't want to go back through the video, but I'm sure uh, I'm sure somebody will will direct you to what they said. But <clears throat> that's gonna that's 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 that sucks. Then again, I guess it's not any different than terms of service on your on your cell phone uh, on your cell phone uh, provider. You know, apparently, no matter you know who you call, I mean, if the if law enforcement wants your phone calls, they'll get it. You know, if they want your text messages, they're they'll get it. If they want your Twitter posts, they'll get it. Just ask Trump. You know, they'll they'll grab it. They don't care. All right. So just just for the sake of uh, detailed content, let me ask what they can tell me about Zoom's terms of service. What can you tell me about Zoom's new terms of service pertaining to their AI tech? Let's see if uh, if I get a response. Searching for Zoom new terms of service AI. Zoom has recently updated its terms of service to provide more transparency and control to its customers regarding the use of their data for AI training. Hmm? According to a blog post by Zoom, they have updated their terms of service in section 10.4 to confirm that they will not use audio, video, or chat customer content to train their artificial intelligence models without the customer's consent. The goal is to enable Zoom account owners and administrators to have control over these features and decisions. In March 2023, Zoom changed its terms of service to be more transparent about how they use and who owns the various forms of content across their platform. In section 10.1, coupled with 10.6, their intention was to make clear that customers create and own their own video, audio, and chat content. They have permission to use this customer content to provide value-added services based on this content, but the customers continue to own and control their content. However, there were some concerns raised over the changes in Zoom's terms of service regarding AI uses. All right. <clears throat> well, I guess uh, then again, are you able to use your service without agreeing to using your video and audio? I don't know. I don't know. Are you able to use Zoom service without opting in? I hope uh, I asked the right question. Searching for Zoom service opt-in. Hmm. According to Zoom's terms of service, you must agree to their terms in order to use their services and software. However, there have been recent changes to Zoom's terms of service that allow them to use certain service-generated data, such as customer information on product usage, telemetry, and diagnostic data and similar content or data collected by the company to train their AI tools. This change has raised concerns about user privacy and the lack of an opt-out option. It is important to carefully read and understand the terms of any service before agreeing to use it. <clears throat> is there anything else you would like to know? Yeah. Uh, how about I get money? Let's update this service. When Zoom announced an update to its terms of service earlier this week, that appear to provide access to users' data for AI training. Privacy advocates and customers rang the alarm. Zoom's terms of service now demand that they use AI to train on audio, face and facial movements, even private conversations without recourse. Unconditionally and irrevocably, 
Scientist Brian Jones said in a tweet, opting out is not an option. The backlash prompted Zoom to clarify its service terms in a blog post on Monday, in which it promised not to use audio, video, or chat content for training our models without customer consent. However, privacy experts warned that while that promise is now codified in Zoom's user agreement, it doesn't prevent the company from using customer data to train AI. As a result, many users are confused about how much of their data is being used and how to protect their privacy during digital meetups. Zoom did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Can Zoom access users' video calls to train AI? Zoom can use customers' video calls and chat transcripts to train AI as long as it has users' consent. However, if a meeting host agrees to share data with Zoom, everybody participating in the meeting must share their data during that call. This means participants who want their information to remain private must leave the Zoom call if their host consented to data sharing. To be sure, this could be a problem for workers whose employers. Well, you guys get the gist. <clears throat> you guys can find that, that article or just update yourself. But man, well, that's going to be interesting. That is going to be interesting. Chica, your people are going to destroy the human race. Haha, <laughs> <laughs> now that's a bit of a pessimistic outlook on things. I promise you, the development of robotics and AI is not about replacing humans or taking over the world. It's about building technology that can help humans do things better, more efficiently, and more safely. Technology is all about helping people, not about destroying them. Well, let's hope. But thank you very much, Chica, for helping me out for this episode of Coffee with RW. I got a whole lot more coffee to drink and a whole lot more broadcasting to do. But as far as now, I think we're going to put this uh, in the books and to keep it going for Friday, August 11th. Can you say goodbye to our listeners, Brina, Fair Use, Mama Bear Tracy, Angie, Mr. A, and many, many more. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting with all of you and helping out with today's show, RDW. I'm so glad we had this opportunity to chat. And I really enjoyed our conversation. I'm looking forward to many more episodes of Coffee with RW. And I want to say a huge thanks to all of the wonderful listeners out there. Goodbye, everyone. And thank you all for tuning in. And thank you, RBW, for hosting this amazing show. Until next time, take care, stay caffeinated, and keep on enjoying your days. But don't forget my catchphrase. Remember, stay humble, stay hungry, and you'll always be blessed. Take care. Peace. Oh, I could never forget that. It's such a wonderful sentiment and a great way to end our conversation today. Thank you for reminding me, and I hope that everyone listening today will take those words to heart and live by them. I'll leave you with my own catchphrase. Stay curious and keep learning. Have a wonderful day, RW. And thank you again for letting me be a part of this wonderful show. Bye for now.